0: I'm Melissa White and welcome to The Spirit Room Podcast. This is a show to help inspire you to live your life to the fullest, but really to learn about those that guide us, our unseen helpers, guides, angels, loved ones in spirit that walk beside us in this life. I'll share with you personal experiences from my life as a professional medium and mentor, I'll also offer you insight into working with the spirit world and introduce you to guests that I find fascinating and that might lead you on your own journey to further discover your own soul's gifts. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Spirit Room Podcast. I'm Melissa White. I'm your host, and I'm so pleased to be back chatting with you. Today, it's a solo episode, so it's just me. The sound quality may be a little bit different. I am in my car currently. I do have the AC on because it's a little hot outside, but I have about 45 minutes between Appointment that I have, and I'm on the go today. And I just thought I want to use this time that I have to create this episode for you. So I hope that you enjoy it. You could sit back, relax, and just have a listen. And it's about myths about psychics and myths about mediums. Obviously, this is from my perspective, my experience, my point of view. I'm sure that there's lots of people that would disagree, but this is might hate so here we go myth number one I find that people assume that if you're a medium that you are somehow like a chosen one you know that only mediums can connect with spirit and I think that all of us have an ability to some extent to connect with the other world especially to connect with our own loved ones in spirit that connection is very natural and I believe everyone has that ability. Now, it depends if you choose to use it. It depends if you want to use it. And it also, I think, depends on there's varying degrees of sensitivity and varying degrees of aptitude as far as making that connection to spirit. Kind of like there are people that are writing symphonies and who are extremely musically talented and then there's someone like me who can sing doesn't mean that I'm great at it it doesn't mean that I'm naturally talented at it but I enjoy it and I can do it to some extent so if I wanted to maybe I would study maybe I would train maybe I would learn more and I could develop I'm sure I could develop some kind of skill there Would it ever be the same as someone who maybe that's their life's life's work? That's their purpose? Probably not. It wouldn't be that level. But it doesn't mean that I can't do it to some extent. So that's how I would kind of look at it. So I think that I don't call it a gift because even though it does feel like such a blessing and it is such a gift, it's more so from my perspective, it's an ability that I've really worked hard to really... Try to master. And I think that learning will always go on and on and on. I don't think that there's ever going to be a point where I'll be like, oh, I've mastered this. Mediumship, I think, is one of those things you could study your whole life, even lifetimes, and still be learning and still growing and still trying to understand the nuances and develop it further and further and further. So that's myth number one. Number two. That using some kind of psychic tool, like for instance, say tarot cards, that that's opening some kind of gateway to the devil. There's a lot of people who are worried that if they use a tool like that, a divination tool, that somehow they're going to open some portal and and they're going to open a can of worms. Now, in my opinion, a tool is a tool. Our intention and our energy is what matters. So inherently, a deck of cards has no real power unless we are involved in using that tool and giving it power. So there is no fear of using some kind of using the tarot or oracle cards or a pendulum or any other kind of tool that you're you're opening some kind of door to something frightening that you won't be able to close from my experience of spirit, there's absolutely nothing to be worried about. Spirit has been loving spirit has been beautiful, spirit has been healing. I'm more afraid of what human beings do to one another. That's what I would protect my energy from is human stuff in the physical world so I think it's important to remember that your intention is he. So if you are seeking drama, if you're seeking like experiences that are going to make you fearful and that's what your intention is, yeah, you're probably going to manifest that for yourself. But if you have the intention of using the tarot to work with your intuition and to work with yourself, to know yourself better, to get some insight, to bring forward some healing. That's exactly what you will experience. So we have control. We have the power. These these tools on their own don't have the power. And we don't even get the answers from these cards. You're getting the answers from within yourself. You're getting the answers from your own intuition the cards themselves act as a catalyst. They act as an inspiration point to help you to delve more deeply into what your soul already knows. So I would just say there's nothing to worry about when it comes to that. I think there's a lot of misconceptions. I think there's a lot of myths out there around, especially with the tarot, there seems to be quite a bit of fear that it's somehow something evil, you know? And I I just really, really don't see it that way at all. Some people also assume that because someone's a medium, that they're like a Ghostbuster. So in the beginning of my work with Spirit, I would get a lot of questions and I would get a lot of people messaging me asking if I would come and check out their home and if I would like Cleanse it for them and clear it for them, and if I could get rid of spirit, and I have to say that maybe there are some people that that is their purpose and that is what they do, and and that's that's all fine. But really, from my perspective, anytime that I would go to do that, especially in the beginning, I just went because people asked me and I wanted to help, even though inside I was like, I don't feel this is like my my realm of genius like my zone of genius like this doesn't this doesn't really I don't connect with this but I went and I would go check things out and anytime I would do it I would be aware of spirit but it was their loved ones in spirit it was like their dad and their dog in spirit and their grandma like those are the spirits that I would be aware of there and yes we can cleanse and clear and, and do like the energy cleansing and clearing of a of a space But really what I was cleansing and clearing was built up physical human energy, stress. Maybe there'd been some worry and fear built up in that space. Oftentimes, like if there'd been some anger, some kind of like discord within the people in the home or residual energy from previous owners still kind of lingering, that kind of thing. But just because someone works with spirit does not mean that they are literally like a ghost buster. I also, I don't like the term like ghost hunter and all that stuff. To me, that feels very, very, well, it's highly dramatized. And I also think it's disrespectful. Like, it comes down to your beliefs. And I think that's like a whole episode on its own around beliefs around that. But I would just say not not all mediums working with spirit are going to have that belief that there's something to be fearful of and that we're not really just waiting to come and get the spirits out of your house. I think your loved ones in spirit are always going to be connected to you whether you are aware of them or not. And so there's nobody that can go in and get them away from you. I mean, I also think it's funny. Sometimes people are really desperate to connect with their guides. They want to have these experiences with their spirit guides so much. And then when they start having experiences with them, like say they get a sign or they hear something or they see something move in their house or they hear like a, a message or something like this, they start to panic and they're afraid and they want to use sage and smudge smudge spirit away from them. And lots of times I'm like tuning in and I'm like, well, this is a guide coming to give you this experience because they want to work with you. And you've asked to work with them, but now you're wanting to like, Smudge them away. You know, it just doesn't make any sense to me. So I think a lot of those beliefs come from movies and media and things that we've been told, but they're not actually based in fact of what it's actually what spirit's actually about and why spirit is actually making themselves known to you. So I think it really depends on your perspective when it comes to that. The other thing is because I am quite clear audience. So I do hear messages from spirit. I hear it usually in their voice. So their accent, their tone of voice, their inflection, their mannerisms, it, it's their essence really that comes through and I have the ear for it. You know, I can kind of hear it in that way. I think people assume because I'm hearing them and I have an ability to hear them that it's like a dictation. So I would connect with the spirit and they would say, Hi, Melissa. My name's Robert. I passed away from lung cancer on April 19th, 2004. I lived at 123 Rochester Lane, that kind of thing, like that it would be that clear and that easy. And really, it's not that way at all. The messages that come through are one thing, but I think anytime that we want to take control of the reading either as the medium or the the sitter the person who's receiving the reading we can interfere and we can kind of take that connection take the medium out of the flow so as i'm connecting with spirit yes i'm seeing things hearing things feeling things i might just know i might taste something i might smell something i'm using all of those faculties using all of those abilities to receive the information at the same time and so although I might hear the spirit person talking if the question is asked okay well that's all true that makes sense but what is their middle name it immediately takes me right out of the flow of that energy and it puts me in my logical mind because I'm still a human being I still want to obviously get that right because there's this feeling there then that the person is like oh like basically kind of testing the testing the link like testing like okay well is this all true even though you've just given information that is factual and evidential so i know myself and i know that if i was to just try to answer that question in that moment my mind will get too involved and it's likely that i'll i'll be incorrect but if i just say to spirit and say to the sitter okay I'm just going to keep that question in the back of my mind. I'm going to keep going with the reading, keep going with this, this link, and then I'll allow the spirit person to bring me that information if they can and however they can. So take the pressure right off of that situation. And I would say nine times out of 10, when I do that, I'm able to get that information naturally and it basically serves me well because it's going to be accurate in that way. So that's like a little bit of a nuance that I think people don't recognize. That it's not a question and answer period. It's not an interview with spirit. And it's not the same type of communication as you and I would sit and have a conversation physical being to physical being. So that's important to recognize. It's not dictated to us. And it's not something that we can just sit there and and ask them as though we're going off a checklist, you know, just getting this information we're basically having to keep our energy at this perfect place where we're open and receptive and we're active enough in the link that we're, we're curious and wanting the information. But then also that we're sort of relaxed enough, calm enough, passive enough that we're open to receiving the information. So it's a very weird state where you have to be kind of calm but at the same time activated and kind of wired. It feels, it feels like being extremely peaceful and wired at the same time. And there's this sweet spot that you come to. And when you get to that sweet spot, when your sitter is open, when they're like in the flow, it, it's hard to put into words what that feels like. But then spirit has this amazing ability to just bring us the information. We're the ones who make it hard. We're the ones that get in the way like the humans involved are the ones that get in the way. So that's, that's that. So just because I'm clairaudient doesn't mean that I'm getting the information dictated to me. Um, the other thing, I used to think this too. I used to think that if I was really, truly a medium, that I would have to be seeing spirit objectively with my clairvoyance, meaning I would have to be seeing them in solid form with my physical eyes in front of me. And I realize, eventually, that isn't the case, that a lot of the time the clairvoyance might be subjective. So it might be within our own mind's eye, and that doesn't make you less of a medium. And there's nothing that says that you can't be mediumistic if you don't have that clairvoyant ability. I do see with my objective clairvoyance, but I see spirit like a silhouette of light with my physical eyes. When I need to look more closely, they'll show me a photograph in my mind's eye, and that's that subjective clairvoyance. Most, the, the, the faculties that I love to use that I feel most comfortable with are actually the clairsentience, the ability to feel the emotion of spirit and also feel them physically, like in my physical body, and then also the clairaudience. I use the clairvoyance as well, but I would say that I trust it a tiny bit less. I seem to really feel more comfortable and trust the clairsentience more. The claircognizance, the knowing also comes in. Oftentimes, it's just a knowing. I don't even know where it comes from, how it comes through, but I just know what I know. And yeah, sometimes tasting and smelling. But yeah, so that's the thing. So we're all different, and I'm sure it'll evolve and change over time. And it depends on the sitter. It depends on the situation. Sometimes I have to rely on the clairvoyance very heavily. Other times um, I could go through a whole reading and and really not have to see much. It's felt and heard. So we're all different. There's an amazing medium named Dora Stokes. You can look her up on YouTube, but she was essentially very clairaudient to the point where I don't think she really used any of the other Claires. I think she mostly was just hearing spirit it's quite yeah it's quite fascinating to watch her and also i've I've read some of her books as well quite interesting the other myth and this is one that i've heard that if you're a real legit medium or psychic that you wouldn't need any training i've also heard that if people think that if you're real legit psychic or medium you wouldn't charge money for it And so, those are two myths that I think are really important to chat about the training and the education and the development. It's like as if you were going to say to someone like a doctor, yes, they have a real legit ability and interest and aptitude for working with science of the scientific method or working with the physical body. Like they have this aptitude in biology and chemistry. But to say that they shouldn't need education. And if they get education, then they're not real. Like, I don't know if I'm explaining this properly, but that's how it seems to be. Like, the education and the training is to allow yourself to continue to grow and learn. It's professional development. It's to allow yourself to be re-inspired over and over again. To be trained. To have some type of framework for your abilities and to be able to kind of. Learn to develop them and hone those skills and really get more and more proficient to get more and more curious, all of those things. So, I think it's kind of unfair to say that if you've had education in your vocation, that it doesn't, then you're not real. I just think that's kind of something that needs to be dispelled. The whole thing about the charging of money, I've heard that before that people will say, oh, well, if you're, if you were really real, You wouldn't charge money for it. I think that charging money is about being able to support yourself to live a life in this world that costs money. And that if you want to be able to use those beautiful abilities and to help people, you have to be able to make a living. Now, there are some people that might have a regular job and they do their mediumship and their psychic stuff on the side. And maybe in that case, they are able to do it for free because they have this other income. But I don't think that's really, I think that's very unique to each person. It's a decision. For me, if I was working another job, say like a normal job, nine to five, and just doing my mediumship and my teaching and my readings on the side, I wouldn't have probably the energy to do both, to be honest. And I think also it would limit The amount of people that I could work with, it would limit the amount of time that I could devote to what I'm doing. So the way that I can give the most and do the most and and support myself at the same time is that it's my career, that it's something that I do charge for. And so there's nothing wrong with not charging, but there's also nothing wrong with charging. I think to each their own, you know? So that is a myth. I think there are many, many very amazingly talented people who do charge money for their services, and it doesn't make them any less legit. So that's important to recognize. I also think that people assume that if you're a medium that, and a psychic, that you could just read every single person in the world, like that everyone who comes to you is going to be a home run. And that is false. I think that so much of the success of a reading has to do with the energetic match between the medium, the client, and the spirit person. And I think oftentimes people assume that medium should just be able to read every single person with the same degree of accuracy and the same degree of sort of amazing moment. And what I've noticed is that for me, The people who come and that are super open and they want to work with me, they're willing to tell me yes or no or I don't know. They're willing to participate. And they're not coming and approaching it with negativity. They're not approaching it trying to trick me. They're not approaching it with this sort of attitude about like prove yourself to me. I find that the people who come and they're just open They're the ones that get the most jaw-dropping information. They get the detail because it's wide open. They've allowed me to read them to that degree. Whereas I've had other people that come and they may think that they're open or they might know exactly what they're doing, that they're basically hiding things or lying about certain things, purposely trying to throw me off track, purposely trying to test me. And I'm not the only one. Like I have many colleagues who have experienced this as well. And it always backfires on the person. They never end up getting the amazing information. And they basically just confirm their belief. They basically assume that every medium is out to get them. They assume that every medium is a scammer. And so basically when they come and they put up that energy, they put up that wall, they make it more difficult than it needs to be. And then they're smug because they don't get the the great information. It is going to be kind of general and it is going to be kind of whack. But it's because that's the energy that they're bringing to the situation. So at the end of the day, I think that it's not that we're meant to read for every single person that comes to us. There are some times when no matter what, it's not going to work. It's not going to be beneficial. So. Does that mean that if it doesn't work well and it's not accurate in that moment, that that person is not a legit medium? Not necessarily. A lot of the time, I think it has to do with that vibration, that energetic match. So just to keep that in mind. Now, obviously, sometimes that's a difficult thing because you want it to work. I mean, as a medium, we want to give the person what they they need. If they need healing, if feel their spirit people trying to connect with them, we want to give that to the, the client. But if it's not working, sometimes you literally just have to stop and say, this isn't really working. Let's leave this. But sometimes it's difficult because we want so much to make it work. So I would just have people recognize that oftentimes the result that you get has to do with the energy that you're bringing to the situation. If you can relax, if you can have some level of trust in the process, you're far more likely to get the outcome that you desire. So that's just something to keep in mind. I also think a myth is that if you're psychic, you should get to know all, you know, everything that's ever going to happen to you or everything you can predict, everything that's going to ever happen to your kids or your family or friends. And I think that's so false. I think that for me, I get glimpses of things every once in a while, but I don't really get to know things ahead of time. I think there's certain things maybe, but for the most part, I still have to live a pretty average human life that I have to go through the, the difficulties that everyone else does. I don't get some kind of cheat sheet. I don't get a free pass and get to avoid the difficulties. I still have to go through them. So if I knew everything ahead of time, of course, then I'd be tempted to avoid pain. I'd be tempted to avoid a challenge. Of course, who wouldn't be? So I think there are some kind of spiritual laws around that kind of thing. And so, yeah, I don't get to know the lottery numbers. I don't get to know some of these things that people would expect that I could know. I'll think around prediction. There's a lot of misunderstanding around that. So what we can do psychically is we can look at someone's past, we can look at someone's present, and then we can look at their potential possibilities for the future. But there's very little that I feel is set in stone. I mean, there are some things, I think, in life that are 100% going to occur. But I think most things, we do have some free will. We have choice. And so you can't ever really assume that a psychic is going to be able to 100% predict your future because you could change your mind. You could also have someone in your life who changes their mind. So we're looking at the potential for the future and a probability if things continue in the same way that they are, this is the likely outcome. And there's been many times where I have predicted things with great accuracy when it comes to dates and times and births of babies and pregnancies and jobs and moves and marriages and all these things. Yes, they have come through and have been accurate. But there's probably also been things that I've seen in someone's future that have not come true. And I think that's not to say, oh, it's because I'm not legit. It has to do with the fact that as humans, we have free will. So Anyone who claims to tell you that they're 100% going to tell you with accuracy your future and that there's no way that it could ever be anything different than this, I think I would be weary because I don't actually believe that anyone really has that ability or that capacity, maybe with certain certain things, but not not with everything. So I think it's about just recognizing that prediction. Is not necessarily a guarantee. And that really what we're looking at is potential and possibility. You still, as a person, you still need to take responsibility for your life, your choices. You have to, you can't just say, oh, well, she projected I was going to do this and this and then sit back and do nothing and expect that you're going to have that result. So you do have to meet the universe halfway, that's for sure. So really, the only other one that I think is kind of a myth. I think people think that mediumship and psychic ability requires no effort. Like almost like we just sit there and it's just given to us, and we don't have to do anything for it. It's basically just like no big deal. And what I would say, uh, there's a lot of people who believe that, and I think those are the same people who believe we shouldn't be charging for it. Um, it requires a lot of energy. It requires A lot of work behind the scenes. And it requires a lot of focus mentally to be able to do what we do. And I think also people underestimate the fact that we're dealing with people in such a way that is a soul to soul connection. We are picking up on their emotion, sometimes their grief, also feeling that what's coming from spirit. And so we're basically in the midst of that kind of energy, that kind of emotional energy, oftentimes. And we're dealing with sometimes very traumatic situations. And so therefore, the energy that it requires of us and the compassion and the care that we need to be able to offer, the state of mind that we need to be in, All of those things are not effortless. There's a ton of intention that goes along with that. And I think people don't recognize that after a reading, you could feel tired mentally, but you can also even feel tired just physically because your nervous system is activated anytime you're working mediumistically. And so it's not something that is magic, it is not something that is just easy. I think that it requires a lot of skill and it requires a state of mind and intention that people might not recognize. So it does take a toll and so it is important that we take good care of ourselves. It's important that we are very mindful about the mind-body-soul connection and and all of that. So it's not like something that we just sit there and it's effortless. I want to say that it does require a ton of effort, and that there is this feeling that for us to really do it and do it well, there's so much, so much more to it. There's so much behind the scenes, there's so much training, there's so much practice, there's so much trial and error. And there's a lot of a toll that I think it takes also psychologically on us because we're constantly in this state of putting ourselves out there. It requires a ton of courage to sit in front of someone or to stand in front of a group of people and start speaking and really not know what's going to come through, not know what you're going to say, and really never knowing if you're going to be dealing with someone who's very open, if you're going to deal with someone who's very um, negative, if you're going to deal with someone who's close-minded, if you're going to be dealing with someone who's in a very delicate place emotionally, if they're in deep grief, or if someone's been traumatized, we don't know. And so we always have to be kind of ready for anything. And we also have to be able to adapt very quickly, adapt to someone's way of communicating, adapt to someone's way of receiving information. Um, That requires a great deal of vulnerability. And so all of these things, you know, all of these things matter. So I hope that that gives you some ideas around myths. If you can think of other ones that you'd want me to explore or you want me to give my my insight into, I'm happy to do that. Feel free to reach out in the podcast group, the Spirit Room Podcast with Melissa White, or you can email me melissawightmedium at gmail.com. And I'm happy to go over those as well. So definitely, definitely keep that in mind, but I do hope that that's helpful. And uh, what I would say going forward, there's a ton going on right now, as far as course creation and like events, and I'm gonna be at Mysterio Wisteria Acres again for demonstration. There's a lot going on. And I wanted to also just add here, this is an email that I received from Cynthia. And basically, she was responding to my request for stories around signs from spirit. And I love, love, love what she's written here. So I want to just read this to you guys. So she says, when I see hearts, I know it's a message from spirit. I don't search for them. They just appear. And usually when I'm asking the universe for help or a question, I'm looking for guidance. Usually I hear in my mind, look there or something to that effect. I listen and look, and then there's a heart. A few months after my papa passed away, I was having a really hard time. The pain of such a significant loss was too much for me. A friend who has some experience with getting messages from spirit got a message from my papa for me and passed it along. She said he wanted me to go to the beach I usually go to, but go to the other end Which I never have gone to, and she's never been to this beach either. She was just reiterating what she was told by my papa. There at the other end of the beach will be a pier, and I was told to sit by the pier, connect with him there, and release my sadness to him. Trusting, I went, and sure enough, there was the pier she mentioned. Not sure where to sit, I was walking along the beach and walked under the pier to the other side while asking the angels, where should I sit? I saw a large rock and asked, is this where I should sit? And as I leaned forward to look behind this rock to make sure there wasn't any bugs that would crawl on it, I saw a big black rock in the shape of a heart, my heart sign. So I sat there and did a huge release healing that my papa suggested I do in the spot that was suggested I go to. After this, I got up and walked back along the beach The way I asked my papa in heaven for a sign, he was with me. I walked a few steps, and all of a sudden I heard, stop, look down. I listened, looked down, and I saw the second heart rock. I never saw this rock on my way there, and yet somehow there it was on my way back. And if you look closely, the rock seems to have the word sin on the top middle part. My papa used to call me sin for short, short for Cynthia both pronounced the same. He was the only one that called me this nickname. This one dropped my jaw. There I was in the spot he told a friend to tell me to go to, right under the pier. And there he was with me in spirit. And I could feel his love as I saw those three little letters, the same love I cherished and felt every time I heard him call me by a nickname for me, Sin. It's almost been a year, and I'm still in amazement every time I look at the picture and replay this moment in time. How grand Spirit is. We are so blessed. And she's sent these pictures, which I will post in the Facebook group for you guys to see. It's quite phenomenal. I'm, I'm so amazed by that, and I'm so thrilled, Cynthia, that you had that experience. So uh, thank you so much for, for sending that beautifully written account of what you experienced. And it goes to show. You met the universe halfway because you listened to the message, you listened to your intuition, and you allowed yourself to be guided. And as you did that, you were shown exactly what you needed. And I think it's funny that you got your first sign and then walking back, you're still asking for another sign, but you got it. So I think your, your papa knows, I mean, I feel him as I'm reading this to you, and I know I've connected with him before, but he knows you, so he knows what you need. So how beautiful, how beautiful is that? I really, really thank you for sharing that with us. If you have something like that as well that you'd like to share about receiving your signs from spirit, feel free to send those in to me too, and I'll I'll share them on the podcast. I think those stories are so helpful for people, and it's so healing. So there you have it. So I hope that you've enjoyed this time together. Definitely wishing you the best. Love you guys so much. Take good care and we'll talk soon. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the show, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or feel free to leave a rating and a review. You can follow me on Instagram at Melissa White Medium or on Facebook, Psychic Medium Melissa White. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.